You're listening to The Crash Pod, the only podcast about the new warriors from Marvel Comics. With your host, Thomas Lowe. You can find us at newwarriors.com or on iTunes. Be sure to like our page on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash newwarriors. And follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash new underscore warriors. Be sure to check out Corey Blake's page at newwarriors.wordpress.com for an amazing collection of the New Warriors history. Also, check out Doug Smith's page, novaprimepage.com. This site has an amazing amount of information on Nova, everything you'd ever want to know about Rich Rider, Sam Alexander, anything that has to do with the Nova series. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Crash Pod, the New Warriors podcast, issue number six, which is entitled Time to Get Punished. In this podcast, I'll be covering New Warriors Volume 1, issues 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. All right, we'll start off with something that actually went pretty well with the previous podcast, which is trivia. All right, trivia for issue number five. Starting off with this question. What continent was the rocket launched from in the beginning of issue number five? Next question. Which member of the New Warriors brings the taped news segment about Star Thief? Next question related to the previous question. On that newsreel, the news mentions that Star Thief has destroyed how many rocket launches? Next question. What is the name of the teacher that approaches Namorita in school to ask for help? Next question related to the previous question. Where does this teacher's husband work and what has he learned? Easy question. Here we go. Where is Maddie Baldwin going in issue number five? And what is the name of the organization that she is joining? If you don't get that, you should probably just stop the podcast and walk away. Because if you don't know both of those answers for that question, you've clearly not read volume one. Next question. Besides Speedball, what other member of the New Warriors was late to the meeting about Star Thief? Last question for issue number five. This one is insanely hard. If you know it, I am going to be very, very, very surprised because this is such a one-line obscure piece of information. All right, here we go. Are you ready? What is the name of the island in the Philippines where the rocket that Namrita is aware of will launch from? Again, what is the name of the island in the Philippines where the rocket that Namrita is aware of will launch from? Alright, trivia for issue number six. We'll start it off with an easy one. What is the real reason behind Stain International's rocket heading for the moon? Next question. Which member of the Inhumans enters the room to warn the others that the rocket is still headed for Adelon? And I'm going with that's how that city on the moon is pronounced. I've always pronounced it Adelon, A-T-T-I-L-A-N. If you pronounce it another way, let me know. Uh, just reply on the Facebook page or tweet me and let me know how you pronounce it phonetically. Next question. On the moon, who is responsible for damaging Star Thief's navigational wings? Next question. It takes which three people to incinerate the Stain International rocket that's headed for Adelon? Next question, potentially an easy one. When Namorita, Firestar, and Marvel Boy are teleported back to the New Warriors base, who is it that sneaks up on them? 
All right, trivia for issue number seven. It's only one question, and it's very, very easy, so you should probably get this one. What is the name of the priest that the bangle attacks in the church? All right, moving on to trivia for issue number eight. This first question, if you know it, I'll be insanely impressed because this is another one of those one line, kind of threw it in there. If you remembered it, I don't know how you remembered it. What is the name of the Hellfire Club member that provided Dwayne Taylor the access to the Hellfire Club systems? All right, one more time. What is the name of the Hellfire Club member that provided Dwayne Taylor the access to the Hellfire Club systems. I believe it's just his last name that's mentioned, so you just need to know his last name, not his first name. Next question. The priest that the Bengal attacked in the church was originally sentenced to 25 years in prison for his crimes in Vietnam, but how many of those years did he actually serve before he got parole? All right, trivia for issue number nine. What happens that surprises Speedball as he attempts to rescue his mother? It has something to do with his powers, like something happens and he's surprised about what happens. Next question. What is the name of the place that Night Thrasher is at that he uses to try to lure Bangle out to attack the priest? Next question. What type of plane does the Taylor Foundation have that the New Warriors use to return from Brazil? It's a specific type of plane, kind of like the X-Men have the SR-71 Blackbird. The New Warriors have a specific type of plane. And last question for issue number nine. What is the code or phrase, I guess, that's used to let someone know that there's trouble in the Taylor Foundation? I'll be surprised if you know that one. Try to find like really obscure one-line pieces of information to throw at all you New Warriors fans who are listening to this. It's, what, like three of you? I did not have any trivia for issue number 10 because it's pretty much a fight between the Hellions and the New Warriors. Not a lot of uh, small bits of info are thrown out there. But we'll just do this as a bonus question. You see the Hellions at the end of issue number nine, headed into or headed for the Taylor Foundation. I should say this. In issue number nine, two of those Hellions are actually making their first appearance. They are not named, however, I believe, until issue number 10. So we'll go with a bonus question. Who are the two Hellions that made their first appearance in issue number nine of New Warriors, but then are named in issue number 10 of New Warriors? There's two of them. All right, now we'll go into the issues. Issue number five is entitled The Man Who Stole Tomorrow, written by Fabian Nicesia, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Larry, and I believe his last name is pronounced Malstead. It's M-A-H-L-S-T-E-D-T. Colors are by Andy, and I believe his last name is pronounced Yanchos. It's Y-A-N-C-H-U-S. All right, so starting off with issue number five, the issue begins with an unmanned rocket ready to be launched in South Africa. Several men speaking in French note that they hope that the rocket doesn't have any issues. The rocket seems to be going smoothly when suddenly it explodes and someone or something calling itself Star Thief claims destruction of the rocket and warns that no further space exploration will be tolerated and those that continue to try will be destroyed. So after that dramatic scene, it shifts over to Dwayne Taylor reviewing videos with Andrew Cord of his fellow members of the New Warriors. Cord notes that Dwayne needs to bury whatever hatchet there is between he and Nova before someone gets hurt. That hatchet obviously has to do with the fact that Dwayne dropped Rich off of a rooftop uh, before he was even certain that Rich had his Nova powers. When discussing Firestar, they seem to indicate that there's more to how Firestar's power actually works and that neither of them wants to tell her the truth. 
Cord notes that Marvel Boy is perhaps the best suited for the team. He's stable, level-headed, does well under pressure, and he is an excellent team player. Cord notes that if he was 20 years younger, he would be very attracted to Namorita. When it gets to Speedball, Cord simply states that he can't say anything good or bad until Speedball learns to get some kind of control of his powers, so he pretty much refuses to comment about him. Shortly after, Vance brings in a videotape about Star Thief, who has so far destroyed three space launches. Dwayne seems initially unconvinced and says that perhaps the Fantastic Four or the Avengers would be better suited to handle it, which seems to be an odd twist because Nightthrush has been very much against contacting the Avengers and the Fantastic Four specifically. Uh, for example, when they originally fought Juggernaut in the issue of Thor, Marvel Boy had said, hey, maybe we should contact the Fantastic Four Avengers to handle this because this is over our head, and Nightthrush was like completely adamant about not contacting the Avengers or the Fantastic Four. So it's kind of odd that now now he's basically saying, hey, you know what? There's this Star Thief guy. Eh, it's not really our shtick. Let's go ahead and call the Avengers or Fantastic Four. I thought that was kind of odd and not very much in character for what we've seen with Night Thrasher so far. Uh, Vance, however, ironically, basically takes on the role of Night Thrasher and says that Star Thief has to be stopped. And if they plan on going after every kind of villain, Star Thief should be among those that they have to take down. And Night Thrasher finally agrees. The scene shifts to Namorita, who is approached by her teacher, Miss Truesdale, who explains that she needs help not from Nita, but actually Namorita, the hero. Miss Truesdale explains that her husband, who works for Stan International, has learned that they plan on dumping their waste up in space. The scene shifts again, where Robbie is with his parents, Maddie and Justin. Justin is mad and furious and angry beyond words that his wife is headed for Brazil to join Project Earth, who he feels are nothing more but eco-terrorists. Robbie he sits there and listens to them fighting and arguing until his mother gets on the train and leaves. So Robbie runs for the train, finds out that he's missed it. So what does he do? He jumps in front of a bullet train, which turns him into a speedball and sends him flying. He's basically seen next bouncing back and forth outside the building, going from left to right, left to right, where you can see the new warriors are actually in the room having a meeting, and he's just going back and forth in the background, which is a very hilarious scene. He finally bursts through the window, breaking the glass, shattering the window. You know, and to Dwayne, that's probably not a big deal because he's made out of money. But you have to consider that there are people on that team who are not invulnerable, and there's flying shards of glass flying around. But whatever. Namorita arrives just after Speedball, saying that she knows where the next rocket launch is, and they actually have to make sure it does not take off. The scene shifts to the Hellfire Club, where the White Queen has learned that there is a breach in their system and that someone had been seeking information on Angelica Jones, better known as Firestar. And obviously this was Night Thrasher from the previous issue when he was gathering information about the New Warriors. The scene shifts and we see the woman that had previously been watching the news and had a specific interest in Nova has scheduled a meeting to meet some people in Cairo. The scene shifts again, and we learn that Dwayne has used the Taylor Foundation to basically falsify documents that grant them access to the Babyon Islands in the Philippines, where the rocket that Namrita has learned of is scheduled to launch. The island is, I call it Babyon, but I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. It's B-A-B-Y-U-N. It's the Babyon Islands. Here we begin to see an inner conflict between the new warriors that begins to develop. Night Thrasher is concerned that if they trash the rocket, it will ruin relations between the Taylor Foundation and Stain International. Marvel Boy refuses to believe that Stain International can be doing any form of wrong, can't be doing anything illegal because they have contracts with NASA and they deal with the U.S. government, so there's no way the Stain International people are doing anything illegal or else our government would have put a stop to it. 
Namorita jumps into the conversation and says, Stain International has been constantly dumping waste and polluting the oceans for years. Just then, Star Thief shows up and the new warriors split teams. Night Thrasher and Speedball go to check out the rocket, while Namorita, Firestar, Nova, and Marvel Boy go to take on Star Thief. Star Thief basically blasts Nova and Marvel Boy, but Namorita manages to sock him pretty hard. Speedball bounces upward, catches Marvel Boy in his arms, and lands safely on the ground. Marvel Boy explains that he doesn't exactly trust Namorita to stop Star Thief, since they both want the rocket stopped. Speedball says that he's got to trust Namorita because she's up there taking punches and delivering punches at Star Thief. She's doing what she's supposed to be doing. Just then, Mandroids show up to take on Speedball, Marvel Boy, and Night Thrasher. Up above, Firestar Blasts are like actually starting to hurt Star Thief, who initially didn't seem to be impacted by her blasts. A young man named Robert Hanklin shows up with more Mandroids, but this makes Marvel Boy head for the interior of the rocket where the others have gone, since the only people trying to stop Star Thief are Namorita, whom he doesn't exactly trust yet, and Firestar. A fight breaks out between the Mandroids and those members of the New Warriors on the ground, and Robert Hanklin calls for the rocket to be blasted off immediately. Inside the rocket, Marvel Boy arrives and sees that Namorita's information was correct, that the rocket is indeed full of toxic waste. Star Thief explains that he can incinerate the rocket, but Namorita is not so sure he's powerful enough to eliminate all the traces of the toxins, and she doesn't want it basically pouring back into the land, or especially the ocean. Before they can discuss it any further, the rocket door closes and begins to take off. On the ground, Night Thrasher grabs Robert Hanklin, and he confesses to Dwayne that the rocket isn't headed for space. Its cargo is actually headed for the moon. Now we go into New Warriors number 6, The Inhuman Condition. Written by Fabian Nicesia, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Larry Malstead, and colors by Andy Yanchos. Night Thrasher and Speedball try to refrain Nova, who is furious beyond words, but he throws them off and he grabs Robert and flies into the air, threatening to drop him. Robert confesses that Stain International is dropping the rocket on the moon because there's a city there and they want access to it, but they have to remove the current residents. Aboard the rocket, Namorita is suffering greatly from dehydration because the rocket was never intended to be manned and so it doesn't really have efficient heating shields. Star Thief explains that he has to vent out his power that he absorbs every so often and that he still intends to destroy the rocket. He goes on to explain that his containment suit will allow him to survive, but no one else will survive. And he says that he can't allow this rocket to basically explode in space because the contents may come back down, basically re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, plunge into the Earth, or perhaps even the chemicals could basically destroy and further damage the ozone layer. So he's basically not going to let this happen. Namorita begins to regain consciousness just as there's a flash of light, and suddenly none of them are on the rocket anymore. Back on Earth, Nova explains that they have to leave the island, and despite the fire that's broke out, he says that the Mandroids should take care of it because this is their mess. But Nithrasher explains that there are innocent people on this island and that they can't leave without helping them first. After putting out the fire, Nithrasher says that despite hating the idea, he will reach out to the Fantastic Four or the Avengers for help getting them to the moon. Robert demands that the new warriors take responsibility for this and all the damage that they've done, but one of the mandroids grabs Robert and tells him without their help, they would all probably be dead because of Star Thief. The scene shifts with the woman in Cairo. Uh, she has reached a pyramid where she enters and explains the last time she was here, she was dead. The scene shifts with Namorita awakening in water and discovering that Triton of the Inhumans is there also, which means that they're in the heart of Adelon, the city located in the blue area of the moon, having been teleported there by Lockjaw. 
Marvel Boy, Firestar, Namorita, and Starthief are brought before the Inhumans High Council. It's there that Starthief shares his origin that his name is actually, and I believe I'm mispronouncing it, but I'm going to try it anyway. First name, Ditmil, D-I-T-M-I-L, and last name is Pervat, P-I-R-V-A-T. He explains that his family were in a car when it was struck by an environmental satellite that killed his family instantly, but he was not so fortunate. Uh, basically, his flesh had been peeled off. Uh, it was glowing, contaminated, full of radiation. He managed to survive because they put him in a containment suit, which is now his Star Thief uh, uniform. Marvel Boy begins to explain the danger that Star Thief poses when Karnak enters a room and gives news that there is still a rocket headed directly for Adalon. Star Thief suddenly freaks out, saying that this obscene city, this alien colony, must be eliminated. Marvel Boy explains that the Inhumans represent exactly what Star Thief is afraid of. If humans make contact with the Inhumans, it will only encourage further development into space exploration. A blast from Black Bolt basically renders Star Thief's navigational wings broken. Namrita grabs Star Thief and slams him into the wall. Gorgon jumps on Star Thief, cracking his containment suit. Karnak jumps in and kicks Star Thief right where uh, Gorgon had kicked him, exposing the crack. Medusa then uses her hair and basically slings Star Thief down into a hole in the moon. On Earth, Cord is unable to reach either the Avengers or the Fantastic Four for any help. Back on the moon, Black Bolt and the others follow Star Thief down the hole in the moon, where they find none other than the Watcher, who actually had Star Thief contained in a bubble, and he seems to be showing Star Thief all these events happening around the world. Star Thief realizes that there is much more to the world for people to learn, and that space exploration is actually the key. The Watcher releases him, and shows on several monitors that the Stain International rocket is still headed for Adalon. Star Thief's navigational wings are repaired, and then Black Bolt uses his power to safely protect Firestar in space. Combining the powers of Firestar, Black Bolt, and Star Thief, they're able to incinerate the rocket and all of its contents. Star Thief, wanting to learn more, asks if he can remain within humans and he is accepted. Lockjaw then teleports Firestar, Marvel Boy, and Namorita back to Earth. Ty sneaks up on them, surprising even Namorita, who wonders how a housekeeper is able to move so silently. New Warriors number 7, Hard Choices, Part 1, The Heart of the Hunter. This is written by Fabian Nisiza, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks are by Larry uh, Malstead, and colors are by Andy Yanchos. This issue begins with Silhouette going to church, uh, unbeknownst to her that Bangle is hiding in the trees outside. Once inside, Bangle launches an attack on Father Janes. He asks, Did the jungle breed? But Silhouette determines that he's probably asking, Did the jungle breathe? Silhouette buys Father Jane some time to escape, unbeknownst to her that a van across the street is watching all of this unfold, and the man inside is none other than Frank Castle. Silhouette leaps over the van and disappears in the shadows. Bangle pursues her, gets around the van, and sees that the only thing that remains are her clothes. The scene switches over to Robbie's home, where he confronts his father about the facade of his room, where he's got Ozzy Osbourne posters and poison posters and he explains that he has all these other books that he reads that are actually very very intellectual books and he explains that this facade is all in hopes that his parents would try to focus on him and fight less amongst each other at rich's home he tells his younger brother rob about how he's resumed the role of nova but he's not told his parents and he really doesn't plan on telling his parents Another scene shift brings us over to Vance's house, where Vance is getting ready for the New Warriors meeting, and his father clearly disapproves of Vance being a mutant, as if there were a choice. The scene changes again to Namorita and Firestar, who are having a heart-to-heart -heart about how they are different people depending on the people that they surround themselves with. 
gunfire draws their attention where a man is firing blanks in an office and claims that these two men have his sister working at a sweatshop and she's only 12 years old. The two businessmen claim that they have no idea what he's talking about and that they're normal businessmen and they don't run a sweatshop. With no clear answer as to who's telling the truth, Namorita simply warns the businessmen to watch it because next time someone might come looking for someone and they won't be firing blanks. At the meeting, Speedball shares a concern that his mother, who went to Brazil and joined Project Earth, has not been heard from in about three weeks. Just then, Silhouette appears from the shadows of a wall into the meeting room and collapses completely naked. Cord gives some internal thought about this when he sees Silhouette and wonders about her brother Midnight's fire and how that could spell trouble down the line. Dwayne picks up Silhouette and says that they have to find out what happened, and Speedball then says, well, what about my mother? Because, you know, she's been gone for three weeks. So it's decided that Dwayne will stay with Silhouette, surprise, and the others will head to Brazil and investigate the disappearance of Speedball's mother. The scene shifts to Cairo, where we see the woman who'd gone into the pyramid comments that her body did not endure time as they open the sarcophagus and see that her body's basically decomposed. But inside, the scepter of Ka is there, and she grabs it, saying that she will rule Egypt and the world. When the new warriors arrive in Brazil, they have to change into their civilian clothing, and Vance expresses some discomfort about the others knowing his secret identity. But Angelica Jones convinces them to do it. She is the only person on the team, other than Namorita, who knows his true identity because they shared it up on the rocket. When Speedball changes to his civilian identity, they see he's much shorter than he is uh, in his human self, for lack of a better word, and he, he is also much younger, and he says that he's only 15 years old. After they all check into their hotel, four people approach the clerk and ask who they were. When the clerk says he cannot say, the men use their powers on the clerk. One of them uses like a plant to basically grab the man's throat. Another one basically depletes all the moisture out of the clerk's body. The woman just then burns the clerk's body to ashes, and then the fourth guy basically uses his power to blow the ashes away. We will learn later that these four people are four members of a team called the Forces of Nature. More on that later. Back at the New Warriors headquarters, Silhouette awakens and explains to Dwayne that she has the ability to teleport using shadows. She also explains to a lesser degree she has the same powers as Midnight's Fire, which include enhanced sensory perception, speed, and strength. Silhouette explains what happened at the church, and Night Thrasher agrees to help her. The next scene is Father Jane's coming out, and nearly attacked again by the bangle who asks, Did the jungle breathe? This time, Night Thrasher shows up, and a fight ensues between the two. The same van that had been watching outside the church is watching once again, and inside Frank Castle, better known as Punisher, notes that he has found some interesting information on both Bangle and Father Jane's. Night Thrasher seems about ready to give the killing blow, saying that no one will ever hurt Silhouette again. Just then, the Punisher fires a few shots and explains that Bengal was after the priest, not Silhouette, but that he, the Punisher, is actually after Silhouette. Now we go to New Warriors number 8, Hard Choices Part 2, Devils at the Doorstep, written by Fabian Assisa, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Larry uh, Malstead, and colors are by Andy Yanchos. The scene opens up with the Punisher firing on Night Thrasher, who uses his armor and bulletproof skateboard to charge at Punisher. Night Thrasher manages to stab the Punisher in the leg, but the Punisher fires a machine gun at point-blank range right into Night Thrasher's chest, um, sending him flying off the van. And then the Punisher uses his voice command van to get away. 
Night Thrasher is alive, but extremely bruised with several broken ribs due to the gunshots at point-blank range. Back in Brazil, Vance notes how amazing all the insects and life within the Brazilian rainforest are. Namorita begins to explain the problem that's happening, where you have the developers and farmers who are pushing deeper and deeper into the jungle in order to make a living, and then there's the others like the Indian tribes and the other conservative groups trying to stop them to preserve the jungle, and stuck in the middle of all of this is the Brazilian government with several hundred billion dollars of foreign debt, and the Amazon is possibly the only way to pay it off if the government hopes to survive. Suddenly, the new warriors find themselves under attack by what seems to be living plants, and suddenly, Namorita falls to the ground, unable to breathe. Firestar, Nova, and Namorita take to the sky, but it's not long before Namorita loses consciousness. Nova suddenly catches on fire, and Firestar is confronted by a man flying up in the air, who ends up being Skybreaker, who sucks all the air out of her lungs so that she loses consciousness and crashes to the ground. The members of Project Earth appear and offer the New Warriors a chance to fight with them, not against them, and while everyone else, and while everyone else disagrees, thinking that they're eco-terrorists, Speedball quickly agrees after seeing that his mother is among the members of Project Earth. The scene shifts again, and we see that the White Queen has discovered that one of her own men, named Kenders, was the one that gave the information about the Hellfire Club access codes. The scene shifts one more time to deep inside that pyramid in Cairo, where the woman has set up a system using her decomposed body, uh, the scepter of Ka, and this machinery thing. The scene shifts again, and we see the Punisher is analyzing data he's collected about the new warriors, but more specifically about Night Thrasher's armor. The scene shifts again, and we see that Father James has explained that all of this began in Vietnam, in a village whose name he doesn't even know. He explains that they heard the jungle breathe, and that their patrol had been attacked by Viet Cong, and that a lot of innocent people were killed, unfortunately. But one boy who ran and tried to hang on to the helicopter as it cleared the area, Father James explains that he was the one who kicked the boy off the helicopter, and he heard the boy scream all the way until he crashed into the jungle below. Father James assumed that the boy had died from impact, but realizes now the boy had survived and become this killer known as Bangle. Father James explained that when he had returned to the U.S. from the Vietnam War, he was sentenced to 25 years in Quatico for the crimes he committed in Vietnam. Uh, that is where he found God and began his life as a priest. After 14 years in prison, he was paroled. Duane sees parallels between Bengal and himself. Both had their parents killed in front of them, and both were growing up to be vigilantes. Going back over to Brazil, the leader of Project Earth introduces himself as Omar Barrenos, the founder. He also introduces Lee Mon Ho, a venture capitalist from Hong Kong, and he also introduces Saska Yamir, an Israeli political scientist. And then he introduces Michael, and the last name I don't even know how to pronounce, S-H-A-U-N-E-G-H-A-N, Shanagan, who is a military expert. And finally, there is Madeline Naylor Baldwin, an American actress, and Robbie's mother. He then introduces the forces of nature, which is Firewall, Aqueduct, Skybreaker, and Terraformer. Terraformer is a sentient plant that had been created by the villain Plant Man. Skybreaker uh, is a renegade inhuman. Aqueduct was the villain formerly known as Water Wizard. And Firewall is a Cambodian woman who had been exposed to experimental napalm during the Vietnam War. The scene shifts over to the church where Punisher crashes his van through the wall and captures Silhouette, telling Night Thrasher to surrender himself or he's going to kill Silhouette. Night Thrasher draws a gun and says, go ahead and kill her, but she better be worth it because she'll be the last job you do. 
New Warriors number 9, Hard Choices Part 3, entitled Following the Line Along the Middle. Written by Fabian Nisiza, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Larry Malstead, colors by Andy Yanchos. The issue picks up exactly where the previous issue left off, where Punisher is holding Silhouette hostage. Silhouette escapes Punisher's grasp by doing the shadow melt thing and disappears from his hands and appears next to Night Thrasher, once again nude. Punisher knows that he can disarm Night Thrasher easily, but decides to hear him out so that they can try to piece together exactly what's happening. Punisher explains he was going after Silhouette to question her and see if she had taken up the family business of running guns after her brother Midnight's fire was put in prison. Night Thrasher and Punisher discuss the morality of whether Bengal has the right to claim Father Jane's life for the actions he did during the Vietnam War. Back at Brazil, it's revealed that Omar Barrenos used Madeline's theatrical expertise to fake his own abduction and make it look like it had been the development workers who had done it, making them appear more radical. The warriors are taken to the site where there is development happening, where they can see that trees are devastated, the land's been gutted, everything's flattened out, there's a whole chunk of area that's just simply gone from the jungle. The forces of nature move in to attack the development workers, and the warriors are forced basically to be on the defensive. Rather than fighting the forces of nature, they actually go to try to save as many development workers as possible. Omar Berenos finds one of the development workers who was armed and now unconscious and takes his gun and says that one of their own must be sacrificed for the cause to make it look like these developers are far more radical. And he points the gun at Madeline, and just as he fires, Speedball jumps in the way and takes the hit of the bullet. But, much to his surprise, he finds that the bullet bounces off of him. Now here's what's weird. I don't know why this would actually surprise Speedball that bullets bounce off of him. Since earlier, he, in his Robbie Baldwin form, jumped in front of a bullet train to turn into Speedball. So you would think already as Speedball, he'd be far more invulnerable than he would under his human guise. So I'm not entirely sure why bullets bouncing off of him really surprises him. Robbie then grabs his mother and bounces away from the fight, and he turns into Robbie to reveal to his mother that he is Speedball. In Egypt, the mysterious woman begins to absorb the energy from the scepter of Ka. Going back, we see at the Golden Dragon, Night Thrasher is with Father Janes trying to lure out Bengal so that they can try to get to the bottom of what's happening. Bengal shoots an arrow through the window, but Night Thrasher jumps and blocks the arrow with his hand. On the roof, Night Thrasher chases him, and he gets kicked in the face. Then he gets hit with a sigh. Then he gets kicked in the face again. He does manage to punch Bengal in the gut, but not before Bengal cuts him across the face with a sigh. Night Thrasher resorts to using cayenne pepper spray to slow down Bengal with a dose of it right to the face. While both of them are laying there panting and breathing and trying to recover, Punisher shows up and puts a gun to each of their heads. Punisher explains that they need to find out where vengeance ends and where justice begins because the lines are beginning to blur which is kind of ironic, coming from Punisher. Punisher explains that both Bangle and Night Thrasher remind him of himself because he lost his family to violence also. Father Janes appears and apologizes to Bangle and says that he's extremely sorry for everything that's happened, and they embrace and share tears, and it's clear that Bangle forgives him. Back in Brazil, Robbie's mother admits that she was wrong and that she believed everything was so black and white, but now she sees that there is definitely areas of gray. Robbie turns back into Speedball, rejoins the fight where he leads Skybreaker right into Nova's path, and Nova slings Firewall at him, and basically her fire and his air basically cause those two to sort of almost explode so that they crash to the ground. Terraformer is taken out by 
Firestar, who blasts him and basically dehydrates him. Namorita shows up with an unconscious aqueduct and explains that aqueduct had tried to hit her with water, which only actually invigorated her since she was actually dehydrating in the heat of the, uh, the jungle. The rest of Project Earth escapes, and Cord says that there's no point in pursuing them because there's nothing that they can say or do that will actually hold up in court, because technically, all the members of the New Warriors are there illegally. Back at the Taylor Foundation, we see several members of the White Queen's Hellions breaking in. Two members of the Hellions make their first appearance technically in this issue. It is Beef and Bevatron. As Beef goes in, smashing through the windows, we see a figure with claws slashing at his abdomen and basically cutting him open and causing him enough pain that he basically screams out. Cat's Eye shapes into her cat form and tries to attack this shadowy figure, but misses. Roulette tries to hit the shadowy figure also with a bad luck disc, but actually gets Cat's Eye thrown at her, so whatever is doing this appears to have some super strength as well. Bevatron tries to blast the figure, but she just leaps out of the way. Jetstream leaves to go get help. Terout summons a Knight of Swords from her deck of cards, but the mysterious figure dispatches him easily. It's not until the mysterious figure is hit by a mental blast from the White Queen that she falls and we see that it's none other than Ty. So we know there's something more to Ty as a reader, right? Because we've already seen where, during a training session, she had jumped out of the way of Speedball bouncing into her. And here we see that she basically somehow extends claws from her nails and is strong enough to basically rip into Beef's um, skin and cause him immense pain. And she manages to have the strength enough to throw Cat's Eye at Roulette. We see that, once again, she has her agility that she's able to dodge Bevatron's blasts. So there's clearly a lot more to Ty than just being a simple old housekeeper. New Warriors number 10, entitled Rumble. Like I said, I believe it's in this issue where Bevatron and Beef are first named, and they technically make their first appearance in uh, New Warriors number 9, but I think in issue 10 is the first time we see them named. This issue is written by Fabian Nassiza, pencils are by Mark Bagley, inks are by someone different. It's actually Sam De La Rosa, but the colors are still by Andy Yanchos. The issue opens up with Night Thrasher and Silhouette coming back just to find themselves basically attacked by the Hellions, which include Roulette, Bevatron, Beef, Cat's Eye, Jetstream, and Terrot. Silhouette uses her crutch to force Roulette to drop her bad luck disc, which actually ends up sending Beef crashing through the floor. But while she's doing this, she gets zapped by Bevatron. While Bevatron is bragging about how awesome he is with his little French accent, Night Thrasher throws his mask at him and hits him in the face. Jetstream flies over to Night Thrasher, but Night Thrasher manages to punch him instead. Roulette tries to hit Night Thrasher, who dodges out of the way, and then her disc ends up catching the carpet on fire. He pieces together that these are the Hellions from the Massachusetts Academy, and that they must be related to Angelica Jones, which means that it's related to the Hellfire Club. So now he knows he's in trouble. He goes to try to contact Cord, but Tarot summons, for lack of a better word, a circus strong guy from her deck of cards, and he basically grabs Night Thrasher and throws him across the room. Jetstream comes over to deliver a punch, but Night Thrasher pulls out a gun. Uh, White Queen then appears with Beef holding both Ty and Silhouette in his hands, threatening to break their necks. White Queen attempts to read Night Thrasher's mind, but finds that she cannot because he has mental barriers so deep that prevent her from doing so. Back aboard the Taylor Foundation Lockheed Jetstar, Firestar is sewing up Marvel Boy's headpiece uh, without the top so now his hair is exposed, giving him a more modern look, very similar to how Cyclops looked in the 90s. 
Cord comes in from the front of the plane and explains that the code Father Knows Best has been triggered, which means that there is trouble at the Taylor Foundation. Robbie's mom tries to forbid him from taking part of any plan of retaking the penthouse and stopping whoever has attacked the New Warriors, but with the convincing of the others and Robbie changing into speedball, she knows technically there is no way to stop him. The New Warriors attack with Nova throwing Speedball through the window, and Speedball bounces off as many members of the Hellions as he can, including White Queen, who, as he does so, apologizes to her, but comments how he likes her costume. Namorita takes on Beef, while Firestar is forced to face off with her former teammate, Cat's Eye. Night Thrasher jumps between Firestar and Cat's Eye and yells at Firestar that she cannot be holding back. Jetstream, meanwhile, makes a fool out of Nova, you know, with his ability to turn and make uh, quick movements while Nova's crashing into walls. Roulette's bad luck disc cancels out Speedball's bubble powers, so he's unable to bounce, but he still has the Speedball look. Namorita and Beef go toe-to-toe until he knocks her into a water pipe, which you'd think this is a turning point. But as she comes back at him, he hits her pretty hard. Tarot keeps Marvel Boy busy by throwing an assortment of things from her deck of cards at him, and he finally says he's sick and tired of holding back. On the roof, Bevatron tries to blast Firestar, but she dodges out of the way and blasts right near his foot. He takes a step back and falls off the roof. Firestar tries to attempt to grab him before he hits the ground, and she's not able to. Inside the house, Nova springs out of these bushes and grabs Jetstream as he's flying around, and as Jetstream tries to get away, blasting at full power, Nova holds him in place until basically they both collapse. White Queen tries to mentally probe Ty, who explains that they broke into the Hellfire Club data center to get information on Firestar, but doesn't know who did it the second time. That happened to be the Mad Thinker back in issue number three. Ty then proposes that the fight between the New Warriors and Hellions should determine Firestar's fate, because if she is not good enough, then Ty has no use for her. This makes White Queen wonder what Ty's ultimate goal is. So the fight begins now. Cat's Eye rips into Night Thrasher's armor, which loosens his hold on her as he's trying to grab her. This allows her to basically throw him against the wall, knocking him unconscious. New Warrior score zero, Hellion score one. Elsewhere, Nova begins to recover just as Jetstream is recovering also. Nova socks him through the wall, knocking him out cold. Now the score is New Warrior's one, Hellions won. Roulette uses her uh, disc to cancel Speedball's powers again, knocking him out. So now the score is New Warriors 1, Hellions 2. Marvel Boy uses his full telekinetic blast to knock out Terot, but the strain causes him to pass out while he knocks her out, so this is a draw. So the score remains New Warriors 1, Hellions 2. Namorita slams Beef through the roof, and he is knocked unconscious. Now the score is New Warriors 2, Hellions 2. White Queen then says that she senses the game is over, just as Firestar appears with Bevatron, who had fallen off the roof and is now critically wounded. Firestar explains that this is no game, and that she would never go back with the Hellions, because while she was with them, she was never allowed to befriend them, and she always felt like she was constantly being manipulated. And with the New Warriors, she actually feels like she's a part of the team, and that these people are her friends. White Queen leaves saying that the New Warriors are neither friend nor foe, but to never cross her or the Hellfire Club again. Back in Cairo, the mysterious woman absorbs the power of the Ka Stone, and as her body is engulfed with energy, she says she sees Egypt how it once was and how it shall be again. But that's a podcast for another time and time again. You're listening to The Crash Pod, the only podcast about the new warriors from Marvel Comics. 
with your host, Thomas Lowe. You can find us at newwarriors.com or on iTunes. Be sure to like our page on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash newwarriors. And follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash new underscore warriors. Be sure to check out Corey Blake's page at newwarriors.wordpress.com for an amazing collection of the New Warriors history. Also, check out Doug Smith's page, novaprimepage.com. This site has an amazing amount of information on Nova, everything you'd ever want to know about Rich Rider, Sam Alexander, anything that has to do with the Nova series. 